Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sit down on the cushion. We're like, okay, great. I'm going to quiet my mind. I'm going to quiet my mind. I'm going to quiet my mind. And your mind is just going a million miles an hour. And you start to... Wait, what did you say? Yeah. You, <laughs> you know, it just keeps going, going, going. And we have like a gazillion things to distract us from everything. Even when we're trying to be quiet, that's, those distractions are still here. And so, you know, while you're sitting there doing this, people get frustrated and they think like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm the worst person at this. You know, like I completely suck at being mindful and I can't silence my mind for like two seconds. And so, so I call myself the worst Buddhist just to say like, look, we've all been there, mm. you know, um, like I'm a monk. I still suck at this, you know, like just keep sitting on the cushion and, and keep going. That's the important part. Good. Um, do any of your books, are they called The Worst Buddhist? Is that possibly where that comes from? I, actually, I didn't, I didn't I notice the names on our, on our questionnaire, but yeah, so, um, we, we can get into that later, but is one of them uh, One the of Worst them, Buddhist? yes. I have a children's ah. book called The Worst Buddhist, and it teaches kids like how to deal with difficult emotions and try to start them off on a meditation practice at a really early age. So I think the Dalai Lama said that uh, if we can teach everybody meditation, teach all kids under eight meditation, we can end world violence within a generation. And so in the spirit of that, that's where my kid book came out. How long ago did he say that? Uh, boy, I don't know. That's why he's the big llama, you know, like, so he's, he's the, he's the king. But um, yeah, I want to say it was, Shortly after 9-11, somewhere right in there, when there was all the conflict going. So. Why is there so much of that? Why is there so much war and conflict? And well, I think a lot of it has to do with the way we get information in the world now. You know, like almost everything goes through some type of algorithm before it gets to us, you know? Like... Uh, like, you know, when we look at Facebook or we look at social media, where you look at the news or something like that, all that stuff gets filtered, you know, like we watch the news that we want to hear, you know, we don't watch the stations who say the stuff that we don't want to hear. And because of that, we just get this complete polarization happening in the world right now. And, you know, like there's, there's not really a middle ground to meet on anymore. You know, um, it's a little frustrating, kind of sad. Yeah, it's too bad for sure. Because I've always thought like we have, we give all this, like uh, we do all these different things, right? Like you know, I try to make my my shows or my videos about really peace of mind. Because I believe if you have your own peace of mind, then that's going to come up and reflect things out there also, right? Absolutely. So you're going to like, I've done a thousand. I've done a thousand videos and I post stuff and I talk to people and there's a bunch of us out there. I always wonder why is it so hard for us just to get it and not fight or have so much conflict over that. And a lot of times over stupid things. It's it's very difficult. Um, it's kind of sad, like the the world we're in today. Uh, sometimes 
just being kind to each other, showing somebody loving kindness, uh, smiling at somebody on an elevator or something like that can kind of set people's walls up, you know, um, puts them on the defensive, like, oh, what does this person want or expect from me when actually we don't want anything or we're not expecting anything. We're just, we're just being kind. And, yeah, so for me, I've noticed, like, when I see that, it's like a challenge and I work hard. I do, too. So how's your day going? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, not that Come great. On, bring it in for the hug. And, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, oh, you go that far? <laughs> <laughs> That's usually when, you know, they start pulling out the mace and spraying. But, <laughs> but no, I, I will try to. If, if it is making somebody uncomfortable, you know, I'll try to go that little extra bit just to hopefully push them out of that zone a little bit, you know, to where like, oh, okay, great. You know, we, this is just somebody being nice and friendly and I can smile back and nothing's going to happen in the world. You know? So how did you go to, from a Marine to a Buddhist monk? Well, it's, and how are you here in Salt Lake City? Right. Okay. Well, so I was born and raised in Salt Lake City. So just after everything settled, it was time to come home and be here. But uh, I am, you know, like if somebody had told me 20 years ago, you know, like, look, you're going to be a monk. You know, I never would have believed it ever, you know. Um, 20 years ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm like the least you know, qualified person to do this, which again, the worst Buddhist thing. But uh, so I, I joined the Marines when I was 18 and loved the Marine Corps. You know, it was a great experience and stuff. And I love my Marine brothers. And, but so the Gulf War came out and the first Gulf War, that one that lasted about a weekend, you know, <laughs> like so that came out, but I went over there. Yeah. So I went over there for that. And, you know, like just seeing how the war machine worked and everything like that, it, kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things that like yeah, there were, there's many things in the world that were happening in a way that wasn't necessarily how I was seeing it. You know, like my perception on it was just tainted a little bit and it made me wonder like, okay, what, what's going on? Like what's real in the world? What's, what's reality. And so after the Gulf War, um, uh, I, went to Japan for a little while and stayed in a monastery there, a Zen monastery, and began studying Buddhism. Well, a lot of it, too, was just I wasn't ready to come back into the world yet. And, you know, um, making that shift from war to civilian life could be difficult, and I, I just wasn't ready. So I went there, and when it was time to come home, I found a monastery here, a Zen monastery, and started training at it. And a friend of mine was was getting ready to go through the monk process and take his vows and everything. And my teacher pulled me aside and he says, Hey, Darren, you should maybe think about this too. And I, you know, after I stopped laughing for 20 minutes, um, I, I realized he was serious. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, really, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and, uh, so he kind of explained something to me and he called it the Frodo effect. So Frodo the Frodo effect, like from the Lord of the Rings. So in, in the Lord of the Rings, Frodo could carry the ring. He was the only one who could, you know, like everybody else who tried, they would get all, you know, anxious and possessed by it and they'd want the power and then run with it. But because Frodo didn't want anything to do with it, you know, like he kind of hated the ring and he's just like, no, get it away from me because he had that attitude. He was the only one who could carry it. You know, so my teacher was saying like, well, if you have this anxiousness about it and you're kind of saying like, no, I can't do that or I'm not the one to do this. Maybe that means you are the one to do this. Mm. And he encouraged me to do it. And so, so I gave it a try. Became a monk. 
That's interesting. So you're saying the people that don't want to do something the most are the best for it? A lot of times, yes, I find that. You know, um, A lot of people, they have these desires. They have good hearts, and they want to like just be able to, to show that and do something positive and meaningful in the world. But they get caught up. Um, like Kevin Smith had a great interview where he was talking about people who say why all the time. You know, like, okay, great. You know, you want to go down to a homeless shelter and feed people. Well, why do you want to do that? You know, why nobody else is doing that? Why do you want to do that? Okay, you want to write a Buddhist book about zombies and so why <laughs> nobody else is doing that? Why would you ever want to do that? But the important thing is finding the people in your life who, are, who will tell you why not, you know, mm-hmm. do it. Um, great. You want to make a time machine out of Jolly Ranchers, you know, like, great. Do it. Use great. That's probably the best way. Wait, wait, wait. Where does Jolly Ranchers and the time machine How does that that come up? I just think they're kind of like Legos, and so they stack together easily. You have to look them Yeah, you look them, and then they're like a universal brick that we can use, and so, but they taste good, too. So tell us, you mentioned zombies and uh, Buddhist monks. Tell us a little bit about that. That's about one of your books. Yeah, one of my books is called Rebirth. and it's about a Buddhist Buddhist student who his teacher dies in the zombie apocalypse, and he is trying to find the reincarnation. You know, like how like when the Dalai Lama will die, you know, they they search for the reincarnation of him and then find it. So so he's looking for the reincarnation of his teacher during the zombie apocalypse. And uh, actually, it's kind of funny. Salenta is one of the uh, Role models, or like one of the character models that I based. A zombie? No, uh, <laughs> like the main the main antagonist in the book is based on Salenta. So, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, we didn't even know each other. Now, I could see that. Yeah. I saw I saw a picture of her, and I thought, like, okay, that's a woman who could control everything, and so you know. <laughs> it was the most awkward. And here message. she and here she is putting things together. Yeah. Right? And so I sent her this message. It was like the most awkward thing ever. It was like, you know, like because we didn't know each other. And I was like, hey, you know, can I, can I list you in the acknowledgement page? Because one of these characters is based on you. Oh, by the way, they're like a bad guy. But I don't think you're a bad guy. And, you know, like it was, I just, I just was, modeled the yeah, bad guy over so, you. So awkward. And Salenta came back. I think she mentioned her restraining order and there was like some other stuff. But you know. yeah. Yeah, I've heard that a few times. <laughs> cool. Well, well, tell us a little bit about the book, though. All right. So, uh, all of my books, um, I, I started off in fiction, and it, it's really kind of weird. Like, I, I didn't intend to be a writer, even though, like, I have a degree in in English literature and stuff, and you do a lot of writing in that. But I I worked at graveyard job, and I'm like the only one in the building, you know, and so. Uh, out of sheer boredom, I just kind of started writing a project, and I didn't think it would ever go anywhere. And when it when it finished, I showed it to some friends and family, and they was like, "You should do this. You should put this out there." And so I was like, "Well, okay, let's give it a try." And you know, just in the meantime, I just kept writing, kept writing, kept writing, and then suddenly I had all these books, and I was like, "What what am I going to do with this?" 
you know, like how do I how do I promote myself and do all this stuff and get the word out there. So I started going to like some of the Comic Con conventions, you know, and just setting up a little table and and I first went there and I thought, Okay, I'm gonna be the, the lonely table at the con. Like nobody is gonna come see this, you know. Like first off, not a lot of people read anymore, let alone like okay, Buddhist fiction, what, that's, that's a thing, you know, like, okay, we'll move right along to the next table, you know, but, uh, but people started responding to it. And I think one of the reasons why is because like the way I present these books, uh, I do them in a way that, you know, it has a lot of spirituality and theology and philosophy in them, but it's not in a really heavy handed way that, you know, I like just beat you over the head with it or, or like I take references from a lot of pop culture characters, like, you know, because in many ways they're becoming our spiritual teachers, you know, we're learning ethics from Superman and, you know, Spider-Man, you know, great power comes great responsibility. And that's, that's a great mantra to live by. And so, so if we can incorporate that into like some of the books and stuff, uh, it just makes it a little bit easier for people to understand, especially like younger readers right now, because it's like, Oh, great. Star Wars Yoda. I get that, you know, I can see the Buddhists in that, or... Mm -hmm. And everybody loves Yoda. Yeah, everyone loves Yoda, or The Matrix is another one, you know, like, if you point out, oh, there's some Buddhist teachings in there, like, oh, great, I get that, I understand. So. Why do you think uh, Buddhist teachings is found in pop culture like that? You know, I, I think one reason why it's there is because a beautiful thing about Buddhism is that you don't have to just be a Buddhist. You know, like for meditation and mindfulness or anything like that, like you can do, you can still be your own religion and do this, you know, like, like there's no conversion factor. There's nothing like that. In fact, like in the Jewish community, uh, Buddhism is taking, you know, a big influence and a lot of people are studying meditation. It's funny. They call them boo Jews, you know, like, <laughs> it's just kind of funny, but like, you didn't tell these guys it was so funny, <laughs> but you know, so, so like, say for example, you're a Catholic or you're a Mormon or something like that. You, you don't have to give that up to start a mindfulness program, you know, um, just, you can start meditating anywhere. And so when people can see this, uh, when they can see these teachings that are everywhere, but they don't ask them like, okay, well, great, give this up, you know? And I think that gives them like a little sense of peace and calm. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite things is when I can find Buddhism in really, really strange places. Like uh, one of my favorites that people talk about this, or people question me about this all the time, but like the Saw franchise, Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, there's something called a bodhisattva in Buddhism. And what a bodhisattva is, that's somebody who doesn't necessarily achieve to, you know, strive to achieve enlightenment, but their job is to get other people enlightened, to kind of clear the path for them. You By know? torture? Yeah. Well, so in the Saw movies... I've seen, I've seen the first Saw. Yeah. And then the other, I might have seen one other, but after that, I'm just like, uh, yeah. so, so, like... When you become a monk or when you take refuge in Buddhism, which is the first step of becoming, you know, uh, you make this vow to like, okay, great, I'm going to end the suffering for all sentient beings on the planet. And you're like, okay, well, great. That's uh We put those, sorry, we put those two together and then it gives you power. Sorry, good. There you go. All right. But, you know, so they ask you this, to take this vow that you're going to end the suffering for all sentient beings on the planet. Okay. Well, great. Let, you know, how do we do that? You know, they don't give you any type of guideline or checkbook or anything like that. They're just, 
go do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, like in the Saw movie, he's he's kind of like this bodhisattva who is broken and taking it to this just extreme torture oh, way and stuff, you know. But yeah, so like obviously they didn't write Saw, yeah, you know. But but you can see it that way. And so like when you can start to see your spiritual practice in the real world. I think that's when it, it becomes alive for you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like, okay, great, this makes sense. This isn't just something that I do on Sundays or like when I'm sitting on a cushion, you know, like this is actually applying to my life. And Yeah, I do that actually myself. This show's kind of part of that. Not to get like all solemn about it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> So, what books do you have? Tell us what uh, you have. Four books, you said. Yes, I, ha- I have one, uh, one fiction and one. Yeah, so I have four fiction and one nonfiction. Uh, my main series is a series called The Sea of Sin, which is uh, based on a Buddhist monk and a Catholic priest who are best friends and just how they serve their communities and like what kind of trouble that gets them into and how they have fun with it and stuff. And, uh, and they're, they're very unlikely spiritual leaders. You know, um, I kind of see myself that way. Like, you know, um, when people ask me like, Oh, great. You're a Dharma teacher. I'm like, well, I, I have a Dharma class. Teacher is, a little bit of a stretch, you know, well, but, if you have a class, you are, yeah, you know, but I mean, it's just, it's hard. Like, cause it feels a little sad. Like people are like, Oh my gosh, you're coming to me for this. And I, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but yeah. So, so, that, goes, so that goes right back to your whole beginning. Of it. Yeah. To the maybe you're the best, Maybe you're the best one for it. Like you said. Yeah. So I have, uh, the two books in the CSN series and I have a third one of that that's coming out this year. Uh, then I have the zombie book that I told you about. Um, I also have a nonfiction based one on based on Salenta. Okay. Um, actually, the whole reason why I wrote that book is so I get a chance to read Salenta. Like, don't tell her that. So, um, but then I have a nonfiction book which is called Ronin Buddhism, which is just basically about like how to establish a practice. Like, say you don't have a temple or you don't have a teacher, or like in many parts of the world, Buddhism is dangerous to practice or illegal, you know, like you can be hurt because you're practicing it, you know, places like Tibet and, and things like that. So like, what if you, what if you're in a situation like that, or you just don't know where to go, you know, how do you start this on your own? And so it's illegal in practice in Tibet. Um, it's not necessarily illegal, but it can be dangerous. You know, there's, there's so many political aspects about it that, um, Thailand is another place where, there's a lot of chaos right now. Um, the whole, the whole Myanmar and Burma thing that happened, you know, a lot of Buddhists were caught in the middle of that and, you know, because of how they were practicing and yeah. So like there's places in the world where it's really, really dangerous. And, I'm talking about any religion, any place. It in is. The world, really. and, and it's really kind of sad, like, uh, especially here in America, because like that's one of the foundations that our nation is built upon is that we have this freedom of religion, Yeah, you know, and so many people came into this country hoping for that. And like now, you know, we still have that freedom of, of religion, but it seems like people who practice certain religions oftentimes are harassed or, you know, targeted because they practice a certain religion. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, that, that really bothers me. So like, so like one thing I love to do is, uh, down at temple square, you know, here in Salt Lake city, we have, uh, general conference, which happens, which is kind of like Mormon Palooza, if you guys can 
<laughs> picture that. But like, so people flock down here and they go to the convention center and, you know, they practice. Well, every time they go there, there are these people out front with these protesting signs, mm-hmm. you know, just spewing the most ugly things that you can ever imagine just because these people want to go practice and and because of the history of buddhism and the persecution they've been under that just never sits well with me you know i'm like man why can't people do this so uh i'll usually get a group of people to go down and we'll stand with the protesters and we'll do like the free hugs thing you know hold the free hug sign people could come up and then we like yell nice things at people you know like hey have a nice day and you know and, and you know but the protesters hate us so so bad on that um but it's so much fun like uh the last time we went there was this cop oh my gosh i was just dying about this so they have this little blocked in area like where the protesters can stand but but i was kind of right in the very corner and i was getting a little kind of pushed out by the other protesters and so the cops would kind of say like hey get back in here okay and this other guy kept stepping out too and so the cop was yelling at him but he was one of the protesters yelling you know and uh so finally the cop says hey get back in line he's like well how come you're not telling this guy you know, talking about me. How come you're not telling this guy to get back? And he says, well, because this guy doesn't make me want to shoot him in the head. <laughs> so, so the guy moves back, and I was just like, okay, great. I'm going to make an effort to stay in the thing there, you know. But, but yeah, so, um, yeah, just just any type of thing that we can do to, to bring that awareness, like, okay, you know, you might not study the same religion that I do. You know, you might not practice in the same way that I do, but most religions, when you cut away, you know, all the outer stuff, the fluff to it, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like what day we practice on, you know, what do we wear and stuff what like that. What do we eat, what we don't eat. Yeah, what, what do, do we, we wear, what we don't yeah, wear. Yeah, you know, yeah. but when you get to the base of it, all of it is about, like, being a better person and showing loving kindness to our fellow mm-hmm. man, you know, and stuff, and, and, if we can just go back to that, I, I think there'd be a lot less hostility towards when you say go practices. back to when you say go back to it, you make it sound like we've been there before. Well, yeah, that's kind of true. We really haven't, but um, it, it's I guess it's just a dream, you know. Like it, it would no, be nice if we could get dream. to yeah, that point. I, I have the same belief: is like, why can't we just do that? Right. Like a, a little while ago, let's, um, do, let's do that. Actually, it's yeah. more let's do that. Like uh, I decided I was going to read the Quran, okay? Mm-hmm. Just because you know, like so many Muslims are getting persecuted, and there's this big we're supposed so to. I, I've them. never read the Quran. Yeah, so my parents are Muslim. I'm I'm not Muslim, but uh, my dad let me just choose. Yeah, and I just chose to be spiritual, not religious. Exactly. But I never read. I mean, I know a few things, but that's what I... People ask me all the time, like, I should know. Like, I, don't I don't know, you know. Ask, ask my dad. Well, and how many people have read it? You know, that's kind of the question. Like, like a lot of people are saying, like, oh, they're bad. Muslims are bad. They're terrorists. You know, like, they do all this other stuff. Well, do you know that? You know, like, what do you know about the Muslim religion? And well, well, the problem is people are bad. Yes. And you can find people everywhere. Yeah. And they will do whatever they do, whether it's uh, drone attacks or mass shootings in Vegas or uh, a bombing in a mosque or, you know, whatever. Yeah, there's always like, probably somewhere around in the world, there's, there's like an Amish hacker right now, you know. Um, <laughs> just, you know, it's just, there, there's always going to be those mafia, things, mafia know? people are, 
supposedly religious and you know in the movies they are anyway. What's that about? Yeah, you know. Yeah, there's you know, and we get kind of hung up on all these other things. Like uh, like okay, so the geeks at Comic Con, there's there's this weird thing that happens. Okay, so um, have you ever bought an action figure? Yeah. Okay, I love action figures. They're so cool. Don't be embarrassed. Okay, they're great. Okay, but there's there's two types of people who, when they get their action figures, how they play with them. Okay, there's the kind that like rip open the box and just like you know, play and everything like that. But then there's the people who keep it in the box. Oh, that's true. You know, they keep it in the box on a shelf. and they have all these codes like you know mint on card or new in box. You know. Well, you used to go to comic. Yeah, you know. I have three thousand. So, so the analogy that I I make is like, okay, so if you're that person and you buy the action figure and you just keep it in the keep it in the box and put it on the shelf and look at it every once in a while, maybe dust it off or something, you know, you're you're kind of missing the point of the action figure. You know, you're you're not letting it be what it's supposed to be. You know, mm-hmm. you're not connecting with it on that type of level. And I think a lot of people do that with their religious practice too, you know, like um we start to think like, okay, great, I'm this, I'm gonna act in this certain way, I'm gonna wear this certain thing, I'm gonna be all swag, I'm gonna go on Sunday and sit in church, but the rest of the week I'm just gonna do whatever I want. I'm just gonna, you know, um I always kind of see like those are the people who have the action figure still in the box sitting up there. Mm-hmm. But like, if you can get into your religion and dig down and be like, okay, great. Why do we think this? Why do we think that? Why do we, you know, why do we believe this? And understand like how it makes you connect with your fellow man and how it makes you respond to them and open your arms and your minds to somebody who has a different perspective, you know, like that's when you're getting in there and you're playing with the action figure and you're like, okay, great. You know, um, I'm seeing how this connects. You know, great, you have Muslim parents. Okay, I have, I'm a Buddhist, you know. Um, here we are, you know, we're doing this podcast thing. You know, it's Salt Lake City, the Mormon Mecca. And, you know, it's just, it's it's weird how it all connects and stuff. But, but we can do that because. We're in America. Yeah, we're in America. That really is a big reason why we can do that. Have a podcast like that. Yeah. No one has to approve it. Just go, today I feel like doing a podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's not that easy, but the decision to do it. Yeah, it's really kind of amazing. Yeah. Facebook Live, let's do it. Let's yep. share our opinions with everybody. Yeah. Even if it's just us going. <laughs> yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah, it, it's it's great. So tell us about a little bit of the kindness project. Okay, so the kindness project is a little side thing that I have. Um, like when when I, before when I was mentioning when you take a vow. Uh, the first vow that you you make is to end suffering for all sentient beings. And there's this, the the beautiful and the frustrating thing about Buddhism is that they don't tell you how to do that at all. Mm -hmm. They just like, great, go, run, run with it, you know. You go, you get it, got it, okay, great. Great, now go. Because they want to see how people create things and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So so what the Kindness Project is, it was something that was founded by Myself, uh, my my beautiful wife, and our friend Tracy Magnum, who basically what it is, it's an opportunity for people to come together and show kindness to people. You know, mm-hmm. um, our our staple thing is we do things with the homeless. Uh, like once a month, we'll go down and make about like you know three to five hundred grilled cheese sandwiches, go down to like Pioneer Park when it's cold, hand them out, hats, gloves, you know, anything that they need to survive the night. Uh, 
do that. Um, other people will come and they'll, they'll have an idea for it. You know, we'll be like, um, hey, wouldn't this be neat to do? You know, what if what if we could set up a Christmas party at an old folk center where nobody gets any visitors? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like, what if we could do some type of trick-or-treating for kids who are stuck in a hospital on Halloween? So it's kindness to people kind of like, uh, oh, I don't remember the name, you know, the Big Brother. Like the Big Brother Project, mm-hmm. but... Uh, but, but we, it's random. It's multiple. It's things. random. It's yeah. Humans. Yep. Like we do things at the Veterans Center. Um, like I mentioned, like the old folks' homes, uh, children's hospitals, the homeless. So if they, uh, just so we could wrap up, thank you very much for being on. Oh, thank you. Um, what, how could they reach you about the Kindness Project? So one thing about the Kindness Project right now, it's a Facebook group and it's a closed group. But the reason why we did that is just so people aren't inundated with like, you know, I'm not sending people a bunch of notifications and stuff sure, like that sure. if they don't want that. But it's open to everybody. That never so, happens. Right. I know. And, and we still don't want to be that, that guy just sending this out there. So if you hit me up on Facebook, Darren Lamb, the worst Buddhist. Uh, the worst. The worst. The worst. <laughs> I can hook you up. You can have fun with that. Like for a half hour, you'd be like, he's the worst. <laughs> um, uh, where uh, where uh, can we find your books? The books are on uh, my website, theworstbuddhist.com. You can find there. Or if you happen to be like a Kindle reader, they're on Amazon, and they're they're a lot cheaper on Amazon. Uh, they're on so Smash charge more? Well, you know, no for, for the hardback, and I get to sign them and stuff like oh, that, and you know, cool. be all cool and official. But, oh, nice. but if you just, if you just want to read, um, they're very inexpensive on Amazon, and so. Great. So Amazon, uh, they can find you by your name, Darren Lamb. Yes, in theworstbuddhist.com. In theworstbuddhist.com, and your classes. Uh, I teach a free meditation and mindfulness class. They're the first Sunday of every month. And I actually have a link to the meditation class in the comment section of this podcast. So you can find all the information right there. Cool. Thank you guys for watching and listening to the mm-hmm. Ultra Perform Show, the show about performing your best in business and life, where we get experts from around the world to share with you what they're experts at. So tune in tomorrow for our show at 5 o'clock. See you guys later. Bye. <laughs> Takes a second to say bye to everyone. Yeah, we can just be. <laughs> we can be part of the show just waving. See ya. Have a good one. <laughs> Last one. It gets confusing, huh? There you go. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.